sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome in to Cover It with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM, Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to hang out with my good friend Tony Finn, who's off to a ridiculous start this MLB season. I think he's 30-7 and seven with his first 37 MLB plays of the season. And I figured while he's red hot, let's pick his brain and see uh, if Tony can help us uh, find... Some right side winners, some good concepts when it comes to MLB betting. And I'm going to do the same basic discussion I've done the last couple of weeks. We're going to talk about bet on and bet against bullpens, bet on and bet against lineups, managers we like, managers we don't. We will have a good detailed discussion with uh, Tony Finn uh, coming up. But before we get into Tony and his hot streak, I want to talk about being hot because <laughs> I've been riding one of the best runs that I've had uh, in some time, I'm, I'm, I think I'm 67% across sports over the last two months since uh, late February. And that's a pretty good run, 87 and 43 uh, over a two-month span, counting every play every day. This isn't about bragging. This is about, oh, wow, I'm red hot, da 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 This is about what you do when you're hot. One thing I don't like to do is jinx myself, and I've been talking about it this week, uh, and it's worked out okay. I haven't jinxed myself yet, but... One thing I did, I took a little bit of money out. As a better, all right, all we do, let's build our bankroll, let's build our bankroll, let's build our bankroll. When you have a massive hot stretch that lasts for the better part of two months and you make a whole bunch of money, it's okay to reward yourself a little bit. You don't want to take out half your bankroll and go buy a new car, cash. You don't want to take out three quarters, you go bank a bankroll, you know, <laughs> uh, whatever. But... You can take out a little something to reward yourself for a good run. I rewarded myself with a new backyard. <laughs> you know, I'm like, uh, the HOA's mad at me because the backyard's falling apart. So I got the backyard redone. And that takes a little bit out. It gives you a little bit of reward, a little bit of reward for your hard work. But it doesn't diminish your bankroll in a significant way. So you continue to bet with a higher bankroll. Therefore, each wager is going to be a little bit higher. Therefore, when you're running good... You're going to make more money. So, and look, I can't deny I've been running good. Okay. You know, I mean, you have to be running good to go on a 67% run over a two month span. You have to be winning more than your fair share uh, of uh, tight games. And, you know, I've cast a call just a week that Grizzlies T Wolves game five under where. Memphis was just missing every three pointer. Dylan Brooks was ice cold. And it's like, the game gets tied on the three-pointer from Anthony Edwards with four seconds left. You're like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose this one in overtime. And then what happens? <laughs> you know, when things are breaking your way, things are breaking your way. Anthony Edwards goes for the steal. John Morant gets left wide open, hits a layup at the buzzer. Game stays under the total. Everybody's smiling. And guess what? At least everybody <laughs> who bet my plays were smiling uh, and myself. And boom. You know, cash and ends up being a double-digit winner. But goes to OT, that was a clear loser. So, you know, it's key. 
with any kind of run, with any kind of big run, you're going to be winning more than your fair share of close games. But you're also seeing things pretty clearly, you know. And the key to seeing things clearly is you stay hungry and you stay humble. Everything that I was doing at the start of this streak, I'm trying to do right now. <laughs> you know, it's not like, and it's, it's so funny. People think you live in Vegas, you have this crazy wild lifestyle. No, dude. I sit at home. <laughs> I watch games on my TVs. The games are over. I sit down and handicap the next day's games. It's what I've been doing for 25 years. It's what I do when I'm cold. It's what I do when I'm hot. And that's another key when you're on a big run is don't change what's working. <laughs> all right. I see it happen all the time. You know, guys went for a couple of weeks like, hey, I'm flush. I got some bankroll. I got some money. Go out, start partying, have a good time. And the work ethic isn't perhaps what it was a month or two ago. That was certainly the case for me, uh, you know, in my 20s, in my 30s, when I was younger. And I was on a big run for a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes the work ethic's not there. Um, and that's normal. That's natural. There's a learning process involved in all of this. You know, the first time you're like seeing things clearly for months on end and making a whole bunch of money. You don't necessarily have the best results with that. If it happens again, and again, a streak like this, we are you know, hitting two out of three for two months. I'm telling you, I've been in Vegas 25 years. doesn't come around every day. It doesn't come around every year. You know, you get one of these runs every once in a while, and when it goes, you want to ride it for as long as you possibly can. And that means staying grounded, staying focused, keeping your eye on the prize, which is not, oh, I've accomplished everything I want to accomplish. Massive run. No, it's not like that. It's about doing the little things you've been doing the whole way through it. And when you're seeing things clearly and winning more than your fair share of close games, doing the little things right can pay enormous dividends. So, look, we all know that there's an 0-10 NBA run lurking around some corner or an 0-8 MLB run lurking around some corner. <laughs> it's not like those streaks don't exist. It's not like it's never going to happen to me again because it will. I don't even want to tempt the fates, but while you're running good, just keep doing what you're doing, and hopefully the results will continue. When we come back, Tony Finn going to join us right here when coverage continues. Stay tuned for these brief commercial messages. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I hate bragging. It doesn't, it's just not, it's not my MO. <laughs> and I know like in 2022 to make a big name for yourself, you're going to be like, look what I can do. I'm better than everybody. Um, but it's just, I mean, I'm just not wired that way. And neither is today's guest, uh, Tony Finn. He's not a guy that beats his chest and talks about how great he's doing. And yet uh, Tony Finn is off to a ridiculous start <laughs> in Major League Baseball. I talked about my little hot streak uh, over the last two months at the top of the show. Tony in baseball 30 and 7 to open the season. That's a heck of a start. Tony Finn, I'm going to pick your brain to figure out why you're doing so good in MLB to open the season. Welcome to the program, my friend. Well, thank you for the kind words and the, the pimp. And it would require that I know what's going on in my brain for you to, to me answer for me to answer those questions you're going to pick at. So let's hope I do a good job. 
but uh, everything's the same, Teddy. It's the way it's always been. It's just uh, you know some good luck, some some good bounces, and those are always a big part of our success, right? No doubt. And I talked about that in the open as well. It's like when yeah. you're running good, you win the games by a half run. The game, right. you're, you know, you're under, doesn't go to extra innings or overtime. Right. Uh, your overs get there uh, when the bullpens melt down late. Uh, if you bet on a wrong starting pitcher, the other pitcher is just as bad and your team is live. Uh, you know, yeah. being very hot requires you to win more than your share of quote-unquote coin flip games. And when you're running good... They seem to come in bunches. So uh, apparently that's been happening for you <laughs> so far early in the season, Tony. Is that the case? And so far that, that is the case. Part of my success has been that I might have been ahead of the curve. Maybe I might have been. I say that because I have no evidence of such. But I'm 13-1 and on a 13-0 and run in totals, Teddy. Every single total was an under. Yep. <laughs> and I had an opportunity yeah. to talk with a couple of bookmakers here uh, in Las Vegas this week. And my first question is always, what's the story so far in MLB? And independently, mm-hmm. both bookmakers like the story of MLB this season is unders. Yes. That's the only story yep. is unders. So the fact that you saw it early and you've been cashing with those yep. unders, no surprise to this better. Let me ask you, Tony, what did you see early, and what are you seeing now when it comes to betting these unders? Are we talking about the humidors? Are we talking about mm-hmm. the weather? Are we talking about the fact that every crappy reliever throws 96-mile-an-hour fastball? Yeah. You know, uh, What is it that's keeping scoring down right now, and how have you been able to isolate the games that you're trying to bet under the total? Well, I think you you did a really good job of outlining that, and, and uh exactly what I have done, and that is that I haven't changed anything. We all know, at least all of us that have been doing this for a minute or two, that when the weather's cool and in April, uh, unders are typically uh, the way I look at games, the way you probably look at games. You look at the under first because because of the weather. Because And this year, when I knew that there was a ball change, um, it was a 50-50 proposition, Teddy, that if they were going to change that ball from 2019 and even or 2020 and last year, uh, which was a live ball, and they were going to deaden it in any way, shape, or form or believe that's what they were doing, um, I'm going to guess they certainly weren't going to make it, make it more live, right? And so along with that and the big emphasis i mean how many people in the last two years have you seen guys who are long-time cappers go from full games to first fives the first fives have been uh, people i've talked about first fives the last two years more than i've ever heard them talk maybe it's just me maybe it was the pandemic uh, maybe it was that bullpens were uh, being perceived as imploding but the truth is that i did some research too teddy that that uh, i mean the highest scoring inning in in baseball over the last five years is the first inning so it's still the first inning the highest scoring inning and uh, I never have been big on first fives. I've played a few of them. Sure, I've played a few. I've played a few this year. But I knew the ball had to be less active, less live. Uh, starting pitching this year I thought was stronger than the last couple of years. People have argued with me on that and why I thought that. And I don't think bullpens are that horrid, should I say. In fact, I think there's a number of good bullpens that actually are better than the starting rotations. 
And, well, the fact that the baseball's allowed 15 pitchers on the rosters in April, I think, has made a yes. huge difference yes. in the bullpen oh, improvement. Yes. Of course, that goes down to 14 uh, yes. on May 1st this weekend. So mm-hmm. it's definitely, I don't know that 15 to 14 is going to make all the difference. Back in the day, you know, we used to have, yep. you know, 9, 10, 11-man pitching staffs. Uh, yep. But the fact that the bull, and, and the other bigger issue, uh, big issue to me is that you know, back in the day, the worst pitchers in baseball were your middle relievers. You know, a guy couldn't, uh, you know, the guy was good enough to make the roster, but not good enough to start and not good enough to close and not good enough to set up. <laughs> you know, yeah. those type of guys were on rosters and made and and, and got innings on rosters. Yep. And those guys just don't even make teams anymore. You know, uh, You're right. the. Yeah. The lesser bullpen arms are so much better now than they were 20, 25 years ago when I first moved to town. You know, it's like the eighth guy out of the bullpen is better than the third guy out of the bullpen from 20 years ago. Um, And that, I think, is deflating scoring. But MLB April, the lowest batting average in history, and home Mm -hmm. runs way down from last year. The humidor balls just aren't carrying the same way. Um, do you expect more of the same moving forward, Tony? Are you continuing, as the calendar shifts to May, to nearly exclusively look for unders in your MLB plays? I would say no. I would say that I would start, you know, start actually having a lean the other way. The weather's going to be warmer. That typically May first, Teddy, is when I start uh, making that shift a little bit from looking for unders to actually uh, looking being less biased and looking at, at uh, matchups, you know, black and white. And then if I see uh, see something that sends some signal to my brain that colors uh, a certain game or matchup or variable and gets me excited, then I go from there. You know, as a, I don't know, that's the great argument, right? Are great players those who are, are steady, stable, unbiased, don't, uh, colorblind, and approach the game uh, as just a job, or are those the ones that uh, that are biased, that do get excited? And the same applies to cappers. Uh, which ones are the best? We could argue that. But for me, May is a, is a time period when I start looking for warmer weather. And umpires are a big deal. For me, Teddy, we, I should throw that in there. And that is, I look at umpires. I have a book on umpires. I wrote a little pamphlet on, I wrote a little pamphlet on umpires back in, um, I don't remember what year it was, but it was pre- Pre this uh, pre 2000, and it's when they didn't use the the K zone or the computers and grade umpires uh, that in that sense in that fashion. And as you know, and I know you know this, there were some umpires that had strike zones the size of a bus. You know, and it, it made a big difference when you handicapped a game. And I'm not saying that the books didn't have it baked in or it baked into the total. That said. It still makes a difference today. I go as far, Teddy, I go as far as I have notes on umpires who have a better, have a, do a better job on curveballs uh, or breaking balls and such like that so that wow. I, can match an umpire, yeah, I can match an umpire up to a pitcher. So it, it matters to me significantly. Well, uh, look, I know I've sent you a list of questions I was going to ask you, and I'm going to immediately, we haven't even asked, I haven't even asked one of them yet, Uh, I may as well (laughs) go off topic already. Uh, We've got just about a minute before the break, Tony. Give me one over umpire and one under umpire real quick. Well, um, over Angel Hernandez is inconsistently and inconsistently over. 
and has, is one of those guys that you know has created drama over the last few years and, and filed lawsuits, et cetera, et cetera. And Little, Will Little, as an umpire, an um, under umpire. And there's a few newbies, uh, uh, Teddy, that 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 there's newbies that are crazy looking under because of their small sample size. But we can go into that if you want to later on. Sure. So uh, we're talking. Hang on. I, I, I space it. I know Angel Hernandez is the guy we've been playing over for uh, <laughs> quite some time. Yeah. And little right. as an under ump in MLB yeah. right now. Yeah. We've got so much more with Tony Finn uh, coming up. I'm going to ask about the best and worst lineup, the best and most bullpens, best and worst bullpens, and who we can make money with right now in MLB. Cover it continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Teddy Covers here on Cover It with Teddy Covers, Sirius XM Channel 159, the SportsGrid Radio Network. We're hanging out with Tony Finn today, talking some MLB. And Tony, you know, uh, we talked earlier about your incredible start to the season, 30-7 and seven in baseball. I want to ask you about your process. How do you decide what's a bet and what's just a lean or an opinion? Are you strictly numbers-based? What stats do you use to make your personal betting decisions in MLB? Well, in general, in a broad, to answer that broadly, I use most all of the Sabre stats or the analyticals or, the, you know, basically the futures, the uh, Sabre metrics, et cetera, et cetera, whether it, you know, whether it be swing strikes, whether it be, you name it. I use, I look at the stats and I look at the stats that are underlying uh, and contrary to the surface numbers, Teddy, uh, ERA may be one of the most overrated um, statistics in baseball. You and I both know that there's just things that don't that you, you can't weigh in an ERA, and and there's stats now. The analytics of baseball, uh, the best managers, I believe, and I'm I sent you some notes on that. I think the best managers are really uh, to get off topic again. Are aren't necessarily the ones with the most experience, but they're the ones that are analytical and understand that this game is played. The professional hitters. Now, professional pitchers, the game's so much different, and it all has to do with the metrics, really, and how they apply those metrics to the physics of their body. But are you a guy that, you know, you're making a number for the game, and if your yes. number is this far away off from the bookmaker's number, it's a, it's a play, uh, or are you a guy that you're making your numbers for the game, and then if it's this far away from the market number, then you're going to think about it some more? You know, what's the that's, process that turns a, uh, yeah. a, a, a a lean into a bet? That's a good question. And I and I would say that I don't I don't ask that question a lot of our peers, but I a number in football, a point spread number, I'm much more apt to play uh, make that make that a big weight in my decision. In baseball, a money line, I can make a money line, Teddy, it may not match, but We've talked about this before, too, and that value doesn't rest in an opening line, basically beating, having the best opening line uh, or having the best number. It's about winning, especially in a money line play. And you might have a ton of value on Joe Blow up against uh, Cy Young, uh, but if he's not going to win, there's no value in that for me. There's just no value. I'm not a plus one-and-a-half player, so I'm not looking for that, the, the point spread 
in, in baseball that way. And, and my application and my process uh, is it starts with glancing. You know, at the matchups, uh, followed by looking at starting pitching, and then you know the time of the first pitch for each game. It it matters too, even. And then you know, I wrap that, that up with. Okay, explain, explain how that. the timing of when the first pitches matters and whether you're going to make that a lean or a bet. It has to do with travel. It has to do with, believe it or not, the pitcher. It has to do with the venue. And all those things matter in the time of a game. West Coast games that, uh, and you know, this West Coast games in, in the Bay Area, Oakland, uh, San Francisco, the ball travels much better during the day than it yep. does at night. And if it's a day game there, then I'm a, immediately, it's going to get a, you know, it's going to get a little bit of a negative on an underplay. And that may seem simple, but it definitely, it definitely matters to me. The time of the game is, were they the late Sunday night game and all of a sudden they're playing a Monday day game? That doesn't happen very often. We don't have a lot of Monday day games because of Sunday and because it's a getaway day and an arrival day. But we've already had kind of an obscure schedule, you know, with the Milwaukee San Francisco deal. So all those little little variables they matter to me well let's talk about mistakes that okay. people make um i want to talk about the what your opinion because there's two groups of betters that are involved in in any sport but in baseball it's really a pretty strong dichotomy you have your sharp money you know your wise guys mm -hmm. who are you know moving numbers betting the analytics hard um, yep. And moving a whole lot of money, um, and then you have recreational betters uh, who are you know looking for action and having a good time and betting some baseball uh, over the summer till football comes around. There's obviously groups between the two, but the majority of betters who are betting baseball, it's either the pros or, or it's real recreational. When you talk about mistakes, what are the biggest mistakes that you see from casual betters, from recreational betters, and Let's contrast that and compare that with the type of mistakes, the biggest mistakes you see from the other pros that you talk to, from the wise guys, from the, uh, the, the positive yeah. ex expectation betters. Neither side is without uh, their own leaks. Talk about the leaks that you see from the two sides. Touche. I mean, that's absolutely spot on. Uh, myself, even so. But casual betters, the weekend warriors, uh, for the most part, you know, the there's the absence of crossing the T's and dotting the I's, not doing homework uh, as a process of handicapping a game. And if they and if we're talking about the casual player, a lot of those guys don't even know what that is, to be honest with you. In other words, not having the time, I believe, necessary to sufficiently come to a, a practical, responsible conclusion on a matchup is a mistake. And if you're going to bet money, you can't afford to bet, which you shouldn't be doing anyway, but you know what I mean. And another mistake, I believe, more often than not, is that is the process uh, it occurs right back. The realization of being lazy is a losing proposition. Betting for action alone. And this that applies to the, the sharp guys like myself and well, the business we're in, Teddy, is one of the things I have to overcome, and I do, I've overcome over, uh, over the years, and that is feeling like I have to have a play for my clients, and that's forcing a play. It's a big mistake by 
sharps or by guys in our industry. I know that for a fact because I hear them say all the time, I couldn't find anything, but I had a lean here, so I, I released this, you know, and uh, and I think that's, uh, I think it's irresponsible. I shouldn't say I've never done it. I've done it. Of course I have. Um, but it's irresponsible, and it's not in the long term. It's not profitable. It, 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 in the long term, you may, you, may, you may fall into some wins, but you and I both know that you're going to stumble out with more losses and confusion. And it may be contrary to everything. You, the game itself, throwing a dart, uh, may be contrary to all your previous handicapping that your clients have seen. So when I look at the biggest mistakes recreational bettors make, mm-hmm. one thing is definitely better for recreational bettors in 2022 than it was 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago. And that's that the majority of casual bettors in the modern era right now, mm-hmm. they're not betting on credit anymore. All right? right. They're actually putting cash or deposits into sports books, legalized, regulated sports books here in the U.S., and you're not dealing with you know bookies and and uh, and you know the where you can because when you're betting with money that you've already spent that you've already put in you can't get into real trouble. <laughs> True. When you're betting on credit, you can get into real trouble. And what happens with bettors who bet on credit? I've seen it happen a thousand times. Is that you you know you get into a little hole. You're not seeing things clearly. But because you have to pay your man, that's when you decide to up your wager size. And yeah. of all the mistakes casual bettors make, you know, you bet more when you're seeing things clearly. You bet less when you're in a cold slump. And recreational yeah. bettors make that mistake, do it the, the opposite way. You know, oh, let's protect our winnings. Well, look, we've had a great week. Let's bet less. <laughs> no, uh, no, that's right. I'm way I down. Think. Let's bet more. And that's the opposite uh, of what it should be. I couldn't agree more. And you, what you mentioned there is, is you know, it's, it's, it applies to me. I don't know about you, but I try to keep cash. I try to use my debit card and credit card as, as little as possible because, in, in a lot of ways, it's not real. You know, it's it's just not real. And when I have cash, and I know what the cash I have, and I actually have to pass cash across the counter. I, I'm just more careful. I don't, you know, maybe it's just human nature, but it is for me, and I agree with you. And if you're, uh, you know, it, that applies to spending too much. It also applies with one of the mistakes I think they make, and that's playing too many teams, too many games. Um, and we have a lot of guys we work with to play an awful lot. You know, they, they release a lot of games. And, heck, I don't have time. I can't even, in a 24-hour period, I can't possibly review that many games, let alone release that many. That's just me. I'm slow, I guess. Well, clearly, Tony, that's why you're on the show here with me. Uh, but, uh, you know, but it's interesting. People ask me about what mistakes professional bettors make. And look, professional yeah. bettors, if you're going to do this for a living, and uh, I mean, we're talking, you know, what? There might be 10,000 professional bettors. <laughs> you know, maybe. 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 Uh, and, you know, I'd, I'd probably bet the under on that. But there's certainly lots of people that supplement their income. Uh, with betting good yes. betters, but uh, in my mind, the biggest mistake the pros make on a regular mm-hmm. basis is they overvalue analytics. When yeah. you have a team that's winning in an anti-analytic way, last year there were two of them that yeah. stood out: San Fran and Seattle. And you bet San Fran and Seattle all year, you made a fortune. And yeah. certainly, you know, the Giants. It took three months for their stats to actually <laughs> look good. And in those yeah. three months, if you back the Giants every day, you were made a fortune. For Seattle, they finished the season with a negative run differential. 
and yet they won yeah. 90 games. Um, what the, the mistakes that I see the pros make, they're not killer mistakes like the recreational bettors make where they're betting more when they're ice cold, but the pros get stuck into this analytic mindset and sometimes yeah. you, how do I phrase it? You can't see the forest for the trees might be the way to uh, yeah. phrase that. Give me your thoughts on that, Tony, 30 seconds. Oh, man, that's so good, Teddy. That's, that's, that's good stuff because it's so true. Uh, and we all get caught up sometimes in the analytics. I, I, I think one of the things I do before we go to break, one of the good things is that I get past that. And there is some hip, there is some shooting from the hip, even for analytical guys like myself. We're going to get into it when we come back. Best lineups, worst lineups, best bullpens, worst bullpens, over teams, under teams, overvalued squads, undervalued squads heading into May. You better stay tuned. Cover it with Teddy Covers continues after this brief commercial message. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're on your TV. We're on your radio. We're on your phone. Go to Twitter and give us a follow at SportsGrid and at SportsGridTV to stay on the grid everywhere you go. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. You can follow today's guest on Twitter, Mr. Tony Finn, at Finn at Wager Talk. Again, Finn at Wager Talk uh, on Twitter. And Tony, I promised before the break we were going to start talking about best lineups, worst lineups, but I want to start at the bottom. I okay. want to start with the undervalued squads and the overvalued squads. Here we are with, you know, the May starts this weekend. All right, you know, May 1st on Sunday. We've had a month of baseball already, so the betting markets already have opinions about how good or bad teams are. Right. I want to know what teams after this first month of the season are undervalued mm-hmm. commodities in the betting markets. The markets don't think they're as good as they actually are. Give me a team or two. That would stand out to you as being undervalued coming into May. And, and I'm, I might confuse this a little bit. That's it's kind of a double-edged sword or a trick question. Being, uh, I think that we're starting to trend. I think the Chicago White Sox are trending to be undervalued based on injuries and based on that losing streak they have. But we both know they're not completely. They're not bottom barrel undervalued teams. This, uh, you know, there's several handicaps and sidesteps and stretch to believe a team is undervalued. But this White Sox team's an arrogant, they're a lazy team, and they have one of the biggest hurdles they have to overcome is, in my opinion, Tony La Russa. Um, but if they continue to lose and they continue to have injuries, you know, that negative or positive regression will follow. The Houston Astros, you know, um, they were 7-9 and nine last time I checked. I checked this morning. Uh, they've won three straight, so now they're 10-9. and nine. But um, they, listen, they, it's possible for them in that division with, uh, with an Angels, with a, with a Seattle team that's becoming more, uh, and they're not public, but you know what I mean, they're becoming bet more because of what they've done last year and this year as well. And the Braves, uh, if they continue to scuffle guys, I mean, other than Matt Olson, who's had a you know one plus OPS, um, and, and if if this thing may goes bad, the legend of Atlanta will you know have a legend inside the legend. It'll be the legend and the curse of trading 
Freddie Freeman. Those kind of things apply to everything applies to a team that's undervalued. Overvalued squad at this point in time, um, Oakland. I mean, this is a team that went into, they took, listen, they went into a mode of diving before, you know, the board was uh, attached to the pool. And they traded everybody away. And, and they've already had three games, Teddy, now you probably know this, three home games where the attendance was less than 5,000. And it's soon, it's going to be that way every night for them. And some of those guys are used to it, Teddy, but that affects players. You and I both know it. If you're playing in front of 45,000 and you're playing in front of 2,000, um, especially as a home team, it affects your play. It affects your play. The Rockies, I, I, other than the guy, a, a, an acquaintance for both of us, you know, other than Gabe, the legend Marinci, uh, most people didn't expect much from Colorado Rockies. He would argue it with, with you. He argued it with me. But, you know, they've played pretty well, Teddy. But inside the division, where you're playing 19 games against the Dodgers, Padres, and Giants, uh, even the additions of Chris Bryant, C.J. Crone, and the success of Chad Cool, for instance, um, Colorado is going to digress. They're going to they're going to digress. They're going to regress, and they're going to have some negative negative regression. And um, soon there'll be some there'll be some value betting against them that you probably don't have, typically you wouldn't have in early April. I want to talk about the White Sox for a minute because okay. you said the White yeah. Sox are an undervalued commodity. I do. All I've done in April is bet against the White Sox, and all I want to do in May <laughs> is bet against the White Sox. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, the injuries are there. Right. We're not going to talk about. Uh, I don't know how to phrase this appropriately, <laughs> what Tony LaRusso yeah. is right now, but it's not yeah, about okay. making old, I, I, old guy jokes. But. Right. Tony La Russa has no business managing any Major League Baseball team. And Agreed. everyone that watches any press conference with Tony La Russa in it, has, it can tell that in two seconds. And for some reason, the White Sox, you know, said this is our guy. Uh, but yeah. the injuries they have, the starting pitching not as good as expected. Uh, right. I look at the White Sox as a team the markets are high on mm-hmm. that I can make good money with betting against. I think Chicago is yep. an overvalued commodity. So respond. Yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong, and that's why I said it was kind of undervalued, overvalued. It depends on how you approach and what you what you believe. I, I I'm kind of looking in the future, and I haven't bet against the White Sox. I've bet on the White Sox, I think twice. I'm one and one. You've been smart playing against them, um, but geez, Teddy, I'm telling you, it's tough to do. It's tough to do, even for somebody who's analytical like myself to. Uh, you know, to be playing on Kansas City, to be playing on Cleveland, to be playing on Detroit, and, and you're going to have to play on those teams a lot if you're going to be playing against the White Sox. But you're absolutely spot on. Um, you know, they were prohibitive. They were the prohibitive favorite not just to win the Junior Circuit Central. They were, you know, a lot of people's choice to be maybe having one of the dugouts in the Fall Classic. Yeah, and I don't... I don't think it's an accident that two of the best, biggest early season over underachievers, I should say, mm-hmm. are managed by two guys, La Russa and Baker, yeah. <laughs> who were probably at their best 30 years ago. Um, You're right. You know, yeah. um, and literally 30 years ago. It's not like it's, uh, you know, these guys have been doing it for a long, long time. And sometimes you're doing it for too long, making too many millions. It doesn't uh, bode well yeah. for yeah. future success. One of the things I really like to do, I'm, I'm a big total player in baseball, mm-hmm. whether it's first five, whether it's full games, and I like to ride the streaks in MLB when yeah. it comes with total because it's so simple. All right, You have an ice-cold yeah. lineup and a starting staff that's in good form 
which leaves the bullpen rested and ready, which means the bullpen's in good form. And those teams, unders, begat unders. There's influence from one day yes. to the next. Similarly, you have a hot lineup, all right? You have a team with some dicey bullpen or some dicey starting pitching, which means the bullpen's getting overworked, which means the lineup knows they every night they got to get five, six runs if they're going to have a chance to win. And overs beget overs, much like unders beget unders. And you get on some of these streaks, you can ride them for weeks at a time. Talk to me right now. Top over teams in MLB. Who do you see with the lineup good and the bullpen bad? Well, I mentioned um, on a show this week already that, in, in, in just in jest and in fun, I said, you mean there's been a game that finished over? This year, because out of 30 teams, Teddy, here's statistically, okay, real quickly, Philly, 10-8-2, Cincinnati, 10-8-1, Southsiders, 9-8-1, Cleveland, 10-9, the only four teams that have more overs than unders, which is, I find Absolutely amazing. I don't know about you. Now, if you're going to talk about overs under teams based on lineups and based on skill set and ability, um, obviously the Dodgers, right? They have a lineup that's just stupid. I mean, not only is it maybe not only the best in baseball, maybe the best one in the last quarter century. I mean, the guy leading off is um, you know the 2020 wasn't all MLB ever, and your seventh slot, your seventh slot hitter which is Taylor, right, uh, second baseman, has an OPS of 750. W- what? Right? That's a team that you figure is going to be over, especially against pitching staffs like Arizona. Um, maybe even San Diego if they continue to have pitch yet, some of the guys. Mount. Tony, and yet earlier this week, Arizona yep. took two out of three from L.A. Uh, Dodgers <laughs> couldn't hit their way out of a wet paper bag in that series. <laughs> and Arizona somehow, and I watched them, I watched both yep. games, somehow I watched Arizona score, what was it, eight runs on like six mm-hmm. hits over two days. Um, yes, where, you know, three, the, the three runs Vino on two line. hits, I think. Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, and, well, no, remember, one of those two hits was an infield single. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. It's crazy. Uh, it is. And they had five on four the day before. Um, right. So right, right, the right. Dodgers lineup has not necessarily so far lived no. up to any expectations. Do you think no, they right. get it's... to what they're going to do? I mean, Mookie yeah. Betts has been cold. Uh, Ballinger's yeah. gone cold. He didn't get a hit in the D-back series. Uh, right. Are the Dodgers really going to score six, seven, eight runs a game, or is this team, from a lineup standpoint, a little bit overrated? Well, I, I think you can't help but overrate them a little bit when you look at the names. You know, not only do they have a lineup, then what did they add? Uh, you know, they add a future Hall of Famer and and Freddie Freeman, right? Or at least I believe he's a Hall of Famer. Some people might argue, but but I think that they'll score their runs. Preseason thoughts and beliefs. The pundits would have told you that their weakness isn't hitting. Their weakness is going to be the starting rotation, right? They've pitched better than they've hit at this point in time. But then everyone has pitched better than they've hit right now. <laughs> so top over teams, not easy. But, I mean, when we're projecting, when we're projecting, yeah. you know, a week or two from now or a month or a month from now, mm-hmm. you know, right. which teams look like the lineups will be good and the bullpens will be bad? Because that's my number one rationale for, you know, a, okay. unquote, what an over team yeah. is. Well, I, I save some of the injuries. You know, save some of the injuries. Um, obviously, you, the Chicago White Sox are loaded, right? The Dodgers, they're loaded. Um, the Yankees are hitting the ball. They're not scoring, but they're hard contacts over the top. 
these are the teams that that you're going to be playing overs on. Even the Angels. Uh, if you look at the Angels, they're averaging five runs a game. They're not, but they're not win. You know, um, uh, those are the kinds of teams. Mediocre pitching staffs, under under talented bullpens, and teams that have the ability to hit the ball hard. Over, 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 and that would include, in my opinion, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, right, the Mets, even. So, now just a few minutes left here with uh, Tony Finn. Sure. Tony, uh, I want to get your take on under teams, teams with a lineups okay. that aren't going to get a whole lot better, but mm-hmm. with pitching slash slash bullpens that right. aren't likely to wear down and get overworked. Uh, right. Anyone stand out to you in that regard? Yeah, well, I would say Arizona right off the bat because of the. I don't believe they can, they're going to hit it all this year. But the problem is, you just mentioned it. I, mean, I don't. Their bullpen stinks. They average four. Their strikeout, their K rates four percent. That's dismal. Um, unders the Red Sox. I would think under. I don't think they're going to be a great hitting team. Listen to Ellis Burks and Tommy C. Uh, you know, complain about the hitting. Um, it's hard to back unders when you got Matt Barnes, Garrett, uh, Garrett Whitlock, uh, and Ryan Brazier. You know, blowing a game at the end. But unders, definitely Cleveland. Definitely Baltimore. Definitely Arizona. Those are the three on my top list. But uh, Baltimore is an interesting choice because I look at Baltimore as a team I'm really scared to play unders with because I thought the lineup better than the bullpen. And in those yep. type of scenarios, you know, when I, when I see a lineup that can hit and a bullpen that can't get outs, I don't play a whole lot of unders in those games. you think the Orioles' bullpen's better than advertised or the lineup is weak? Nope. No, they're one of the worst bullpens in baseball. But, right, I mean, looking forward, if this ball is dead and we don't get warmer weather and, and it's not going to fly, then I'm certainly going to be playing unders on a, on a lineups I don't, I don't believe can put up crooked numbers, Teddy. Crooked numbers are the key with totals, no <laughs> question about it. When you're putting up yeah. crooked numbers, you want overs. When you're not, unders hold sway. Yeah. Great stuff with Tony Finn today. He explained a lot about his thought process. He explained how he's gotten off to such a hot start in MLB. Tony, uh, talk about where folks can find you and uh, what you got going on. Well, you can find me and only and find me only one place. That's Wager Talk, unlike you who are much more popular. What I have going on is I focus on baseball during the summer. I really, really, really have had a history of being successful NBA playoffs. Predictable, but you can find me at Wager Talk, wagertalk.com, and, and connect with me on Twitter, as you just mentioned to it, at Wager Talk, or at Finn at Wager Talk. Yeah, yeah, you have the A-T, the, the, the yeah. A, the <laughs> at symbol, and then the Finn at the A-T in the midst of your uh, Twitter handle. Finn at Wager Talk. Great stuff, Tony. Really appreciate your time uh, today, and best of luck this weekend and moving forward. When we come back, yeah, I got an opinion for you. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. Here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. If you missed any portion of today's show, if you want to go back and listen to anything in the archives, you can always download the podcast version of Cover It With Teddy. Covers available at all major podcast outlets. If you go to simplecast.com, you can download every show I've ever done. 
uh, for SportsGrid. You can make fun of my Super Bowl prediction two years ago, whatever you want. Uh, uh, again, uh, this available for consumption via podcast. This way, if you miss any portion of the show, you can catch it at your convenience. Just go to any podcast outlet and search. Cover it with Teddy Covers. Let's talk some early start MLB today on Saturday. And this one's easy for me. We just heard Tony Finn talk about how bad the Arizona Diamondbacks are. Arizona's got the worst record on the highway since the start of 2021. The single worst record. I got them at 23 and 66 in their last 89 on the road. It's a lineup that can't hit. They've been held to three runs or less 13 times in 20 games. It is a bullpen that we do not trust to get out. And a bullpen that I think that has overachieved early in the season. Certainly did again in that Dodgers series. That bullpen uh, overachieved. And again, you know, Arizona's won a game with two hits. One of which was an infield single. Uh, they won a game thanks to five Dodgers double plays uh, earlier in the week. Uh, again, with a, you know, four hits, but somehow managed to score five runs. Look, the Cardinals came out of that series against the Mets. They pounded the Mets in the finale. They pounded Arizona in the opener of the series. And I'm expecting more of the same all weekend long. So the St. Louis team that has a lot of different offensive weapons, the fact that Nolan Arenado's suspension uh, was uh, not rescinded. His suspension is on hold while he uh, 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 goes to arbitration with MLB or whatever. I'm losing the terminology here. But the bottom line is Arenado's in the lineup, which makes St. Louis a better bet. And the cards are primed to deliver a knockout blow to Arizona. Uh, I lay the juice here with St. Louis and expect them to win rather comfortably. Enjoy the games this weekend and good luck. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.